0: would open up to Psalms, Psalms. Well, we're excited about what God is doing. I believe that God wants to bless every ministry, every family, every work that we do for God, from the nursery to the pulpit, from outreaches to our missions, every part of it, we want to see the blessing of God. Amen? And so we speak the word of God, we speak life in Jesus' name today. So I wanna share with you a message. You know, we are going through uh, the Psalms. I shouldn't say we're going through the Psalms because that would take us probably four or five years because there are 150 Psalms. Uh, We're going through some of the selected Psalms. And this morning, I've entitled my message, There is a Purpose in Your Pain. There is a purpose in your pain. Something that's come to me, and I've heard it from a few different places recently is Nothing is ever wasted with our God. Nothing is ever wasted. What we mean by that is that God has a way of redeeming every situation, using every experience, everything you've ever learned, everything you've ever known, using it for his glory and for our good. When I think of waste, the U.S. creates an enormous amount of trash. We produce 268 million tons of trash annually. You know there's 2,000 pounds in a ton. So 268 million, that's you, creates almost five pounds of trash per day. The global average is only two pounds, so that tells you a lot about our waste in this country. Every year uh, on this planet, the whole earth, we dump a massive 2.1, 2.12 billion tons of trash. 2.12 billion tons of trash. If we were to put that in trucks and line them up around the equator, around the earth is around 25,000 miles. If we put all the trash that we uh, collect in one year on this earth, on this planet, it would go around the equator 24 times. Think about that. It's stunning. And what's, what's really stunning is that the amount of waste that we produce is uh, uh, pretty much, most of the stuff is trash that we buy or use in six months. So it goes to show you how there's a lot of waste, there's a lot of trash in our world. I read a humorous story about a woman who fell out of a second-floor window and landed in a slow-moving garbage truck. Half buried in the trash, she tried without success to get the driver, the truck driver's attention. A foreign, a, a foreign diplomat standing on the sidewalk saw her and equipped. He another example of how wasteful Americans are. That woman looks like she's good for at least another ten years. With God, I believe nothing is wasted. There is a purpose in your pain. There is a reason for your season. I do believe nothing is ever wasted with God. Do you remember when Jesus fed the multitudes with a few loaves and a few fish? It's a miracle. It's the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. And Jesus said something so out of the ordinary, so profound when he said in John 6, verse 12, he said, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. I believe God wastes nothing. I believe Jesus in this particular instance was showing a concern and an interest In the leftovers, it was just some fish and chips that were left over. But he said, let nothing be wasted. And if Jesus was interested in the fish and the chips that were left over, how much more does God have a purpose, does God have a reason, does God have a plan for everything we go through? The Lord always uses the pain of trials and adversity to accomplish his purpose. Turn to the person next to you say, there is a reason for your season. There is purpose in your pain. Isn't that good to know? Think about it. Think about some of the things that you and I go through, some of the things that Uh, so painful, we can't even fully articulate it. We can't even fully understand what it is we're going through sometimes. And it's easy, people who don't understand that, it's easy to be judged, to be misunderstood. And sometimes we can even become more critical of ourselves. But we don't even know all the factors that are involved in our life. But God does. God knows everything that we're going through, and there is a purpose. God has a purpose for everything we're going through. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. What do I mean by that? I mean that God uses the good, the bad, and the ugly. He uses the experiences of your past, the places you've been, the people you've met, the education you've had, everything, nothing is wasted. Turn to the person next to you and say, nothing is, nothing is wasted. I even found, doing a little research, I found a Facebook page that was, that was uh, titled, God Wastes Nothing. God Wastes Nothing. I came across a book by Elizabeth Elliot, Suffering is Never for Nothing, the title of her book. And then we know that verse of scripture, Romans eight twenty eight. I believe most of us have heard it, some of us could quote it, and we know that all things, all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purposes. Now, I think the key is, is loving God, but I, you need to link, you need, listen, listen, you need to connect your pain, you need to link it as in a chain to the eternal purposes of God. I think that's important to understand. You see, because everybody, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian, they're a believer or a non-believer, it doesn't matter. We all go through pain and suffering. But it is wasted if you're not linking it to an eternal purpose. It doesn't come to nothing, really. Those that suffer without God, it's very sad. God is always reaching out to them. God is always stretching out his hand. When people turn to him, he receives with love and grace and mercy. But but you and I as believers, when we link it, when we connect it to the eternal purposes of God, we know that it works for good. There is a purpose in your pain when you link it to, to the eternal purposes of God somebody should be tweeting that posting that passing that on because it's according to his purposes apart, apart from God it 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 is it, it is a waste which leads me to my passage psalms psalm 71 how many of you there say amen How many of you are heading there? Say amen. Okay, Psalm 71. We're talking about there is a purpose for your pain. Uh, God doesn't waste anything. Look at what the psalmist said. Look what David said. Verse 19. Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things. O God, who is like you? He's testifying. He's declaring what he knows to be true. Verse 20. Look what he says now. You... Who's he talking to? No, he's not talking to you. He's talking to God. (laughs) Come on, stay with me. You who have shown me great and severe troubles. You, God, you've shown me great and severe troubles. What, What will happen? shall revive me again. You shall bring me up from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. What a promise. What a promise. I want to I just tie it to another passage in Psalms. If you would go uh, to Psalm 66. Again, these are the words of David. This is the word of God this morning. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Psalm 66, verse 10. For you, who's he talking to? No, he's talking to God. I thought you would have learned from the last time. Oh, my Lord, i got to stop my sermon all over again. Help me, Jesus. Take the wheel. You, oh God, have proved us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid afflictions on our backs. You caused men to ride over our heads. Oh my goodness. You, we went through fire, we went through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I, I hear the heart of David. I hear the, the pain, and, and, and he, he's trying his best to uh, articulate it and communicate it. And he's being very descriptive, he's being very graphic. He's recalling some of the difficult seasons he has been through. I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound like fun. Men riding over our heads? Those are chariots with horses. Someone say, ouch. Ouch. Doesn't sound like fun. You cause men... Now, he's speaking metaphorically. Obviously, he wasn't on the track and they were doing chariot races, but, but he was talking about life. He was talking about his experience and it felt like men were riding over his head. Can anybody relate this morning? I know but I'm looking at some of you and this is what you're going through. Why ain't you, why ain't you looking like you hearing me? I'm sorry, I can't go by their faces. That's what God said to Ezekiel. Don't look at their faces. Deposits. I mean, what what he had been through, it doesn't doesn't sound like a picnic. He says, we went through fire and through water. But look what he says. He says, great and severe trials. Isn't that what he said? He said in verse 20, go back to 71, you have shown me great and severe. Now, I want you to understand something uh, very simple Great is an adjective used to describe something that is large in size. Great, large in size. Severe is an adjective which means harsh, extremely serious in intensity. So couple them together. It wasn't just a large trial, it was was a severe trial. It wasn't just a severe trial, it was a large trial. Now, Now, how many of you, we can go through a severe trial if it's small. We can go through a large trial if it's short. We can go through a longer trial if it ain't so severe. Are you following me this morning? I know some of you didn't have your coffee, and it's a little tough, but think about it. It's the combination of both, and what David is speaking of, he's speaking of the size and the intensity of what he's going through. I want to look at just three points quickly, and I want to just tie this together. By the grace of God, Holy Spirit, help me. Verse 19 in Psalm 71, what is he, how does he start off? He said, also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. This is David's declaration. My first point, David's declaration. And what does he do when he is saying, God, your righteousness is very high. You've done great things in my life. You, there is no one like you, God. You see right here, David is declaring who God is. It's always important, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at spiritually, no matter what the trial is, no matter what you're facing, it's critical that you start at that point. You start to declare of who God is in your life and what you know Him to be through His Word. Because that gives you the foundation upon which to move forward. We know Job suffered far beyond what most of us will ever suffer. You know, he began for many chapters. You know how for 30-something chapters, Job begins to ask, why is this happening to me? Now, I know this, none of you have asked that question. Why do I have to suffer like this? Why the pain? You read it. The first 30-something chapters, why? Why is this happening? And he goes back and forth with his, his friends, and, and he's struggling with all of this. But in chapter 38, you know how it shifts? God starts to ask the questions. Job's, God says to Job, where were you when I formed the earth? He asks Job, are you able to send out lightning? Job, are you able to to call and gather the clouds together like me? And you know what happened with Job? He went from asking questions now to hearing who God is, and it begins to change everything. There begins to be a shift. Job finally gets it. Now what's important to understand, what do we know about Job? Job chapter 1, we know by the testimony of God himself that Job was blameless and he was upright. Job was a good man. That's what God said about him. Job doesn't know that there is something going on behind the curtain. He doesn't know there's something going on in the spirit realm that the devil's looking to attack Job, to rob his testimony, to rob his life, to rob his ministry. So Job is asking all these questions, and, and, and he knows God. He has a relationship with God. He's walking with God. He's a good man. Turn to the person next to you say, Job's a good man. But as good as he was, there were still greater revelations of God. As good of a man jo- as Job was, there was still more of God to know. You know what that tells me? We have not yet arrived. What does that tell me? There's still something you need to learn. There's still something I need to learn. There's still a growing process. No matter how solid, how grounded, how good Job was, he still needed a greater revelation of who God is. And that is true for all of us. We, will still, we still need to know God greater. We still need to press on. The Bible says, press on and pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Joe, even, even Paul said, I want to know him after 30 years of revelation, 30 years of ministry, 30 years of great service for God. He said, I want to know him more. I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the power of his res- resurrection. Job finally gets it. In verse uh, of Job uh, 42, Job 42, I just got to take the time to read it because it's so powerful. Here's Job, he said, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I uttered things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I didn't know. And then Job says, In verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. He said, I've heard, I've I've learned, I've grown, but now, now I'm getting a revelation. And you know what he says? I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. I believe a greater revelation of God should not induce pride in our lives. I believe a greater revelation of God should not produce a bigger ego But it should cause us to abhor, to to humble ourselves, and to realize, you know how great our God is? And you see, Job went from questioning to trusting. He went from questioning God to trusting God. What I want to ask you this morning is what do you do in your season of pain? What do you do in your season of trials? We can't always see the big picture. We can't see everything. What do you do when you you don't see clearly? We do like Job did. You remind yourself of what you do know about God. Even in Job's pain, he remembered. He remembered these things. In in Job 10, 12, he remembered that God is still gracious. Hello? Hello? In your pain, in your suffering, in your attack, in your difficulty, when men ride over your heads, when you go through the fire, when you go through the flood, remember God is still gracious. Job 10, 12 says, you have granted me favor and life. He also remembered God is all-powerful. Job 36, God is exalted by his power. He, re- he realized God is in control. Thir- 34, 13, who appointed him over the whole world? And he also realized... And he reminded himself God has a plan for his life. Job 23, 14, for he performs what is appointed for me. Can it be that in the midst of your difficult season, it is God performing his plan in your life? God is passionately and intimately aware of every detail in your life. God doesn't miss anything. God doesn't waste anything. He says, Pick up the pieces so nothing is lost. Let nothing be wasted. David declares in this verse, in his declaration, God, you're righteous. God, you do great things. God, you're holy. What am I saying? When you don't understand what you're going through, start trusting in what you know to be true. There are many things I don't understand but I'm grateful for what I do. I know that I know that I know. I remember Dr. Hero in Bible college. He would say that, you need to know that you know that you know that you know. And I know that I know that I know some things. I know that God is righteous every time I can't understand why something has happened. I think back when Abraham went before the Lord and and he didn't understand something. But he says, you know, shall not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? Even when he didn't understand God's judgment, even when he didn't understand how God was dealing with certain things, he says, you know what? The judge of the whole earth will do what is right. See, from our perspective, we have a skewed uh, 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 sense of justice. God doesn't, God's not uh, affected by biases, by prejudices, by any of those things. He judges righteously. He judges perfectly. Can you say amen? amen? I know that I know that I know God is righteous. I know that I know that I know God has done great things. God saved me, come on, did God save you, did God deliver you from a past, did God open a door that no man could shut, did God make a way where there was no way, I know that he does great things, and I know that I know that I know there is no God like the God of the Bible. I can, I can talk with the, 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 the most versed and, and eloquent and educated doctor of philosophy or religion who, who has a belief system that isn't contrary to this. And you know what? It won't shake me from what I believe because I know that there is no God like the God of the Bible. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, number two, we talk about David's declaration. Number two, David's distress. Look at David's distress, we we, we touched on it, we we mentioned it, but, but look at verse 20. You've shown me great and severe trials. Can anybody relate to that this morning? You've shown me great and severe trials. David, like Job, like so many Bible characters, suffered greatly. Psalm 66, you refined us like silver, you brought us into a net, afflictions on our back, rode over our heads through fire and flood. There is purpose in your pain. A clear Bible teaching is this. We get from this passage and we get from the whole of scripture, God tests his people. Hello? If you want to belong to the family of God, you must be prepared to be tested. Hello? Let's let's go back to, to Psalm 66. Verse 10. For you, O God, have proved us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You have refined us as silver is refined. One vivid, vivid imagery is that of the refining of precious metals. What the, the imagery or the illustration here is a metal worker who is gonna purify Silver or gold? In Bible times, a metal worker would place silver in a container and apply the hottest possible heat. What would happen when that silver or that gold is being refined or the the, the, the fire, the metal, the heat is being put to that metal is to purify it, the impurities would begin to rise to the surface the metalsmith would then begin to scoop off or clear away the dross or the scum just the in, imperfections the impurities in the metalsmith what he would do he would keep the metal on the fire until it was purified how did he know it was purified as he be- The fire would continue to cause the dross to come to the top as he continued to scrape it off. He would then look into the metal, and if he could see his image without distortion, he knew that the metal was purified. So what does God do in our lives? He puts us in the cauldron of a trial, of a test. He turns up the fire. He turns up the heat. It allows the imperfections and the impurities to rise to the surface. Why does he do that? Because he wants to purify us as silver and as gold is purified. So what does he do? He lets the fire come. I wish that that could happen on a a deserted island while I'm drinking apple juice and my wife is putting grapes in my mouth. No, I'm just kidding. That it would happen in a comfortable environment, it would happen on a vacation, it would happen when things are easy, it would happen in the most relaxed atmosphere. It just doesn't happen that way. The stuff that's in your heart, the, the dross, which is the impurities that's mixed in the metal of our faith, they will not be exposed until a fiery trial is put to it. What, is the, what does Peter say? Think it not strange. We think it's so strange. We do the opposite, right? Why am I going through this? Why are they doing this? Why is this happening? The, Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try your faith as though some strange thing happened, but rejoice. And he goes on to say in another passage of Scripture, he says that your faith, which is much more precious than gold, though it is tried by the fire. Is God turning the heat up in some of your lives? Is God turning the heat up in your life? Is God allowing you to be in a place? Again, understand, he's got his hand on the dial. Man doesn't have the hand on the dial. God is the one who's in control. God is the one. It's not people. It's not circum. You are not vulnerable. God is the sovereign God. You are not up to the, to the precarious ways of man or, or, or to the confusion of, of the way people deal with things. No, 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 no. God is in control. God is the one who's sovereign. He has his hand on the dial. He knows when to turn it up. And even when we, even when we cry uncle, he still knows. No, 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 no. Oh, God, I'll never do that again. Oh, God, it's enough. No, 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 no. God says, you know what? I still, I'm, I'm looking into your life, and I, I don't see my reflection yet. For we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he predestined that we be conformed to the image of his Son, to whom he foreknew He con- that we be conformed to the image. He wants to make us look like Jesus. You know, so many times, even in the church where we, we try to look like some, some preacher or some worship leader or, or somebody. We try, to, we try to, in the natural, look a certain way. There was a time when, when certain preachers, back in my day, I won't talk about today, but we all try to dress like evangelist so-and-so. They wore a tie. They had a little, a little Kirk, Kirk what a, something like that. And 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 they and they I, I I remember I remember preaching and and I took off my jacket and and I even made reference. This is how evangelist so and so does it. Oh how foolish! God have mercy. Thank God this was thirty five years ago. But my point is we try to look like, but but God wants us to look like Jesus. He wants us so so when the fire is being put. And here here's the thing. I I, I say it this way. God for every one of you is so painstakingly interested and concerned that you look like Jesus, that he will work in your life, that ways you can't even understand or comprehend or wonder why. I was talking to a pastor from out of state not too long ago, and he was telling me about a problem he had a church person. I couldn't relate, because I have no problems with church people. Yeah, right. But he was talking about a problem. We had a church person. They had been with him a long time, and, and there was an offense, and, and they got mad, and they left the church, and, and it really hurt him. And he said, he says, you know, he says, I know, he says, I know God's trying to, you know, the answer is to teach me something. But he said, you know, I wish God would try to teach them something. Oh, yeah. Hello? <laughs> I could relate to that, you know. It's like, I know God wants to teach me something. God, what do I need to learn from this? But is, are they learning anything but you know what I realize? It doesn't matter because God will deal with them. God will deal with each and every one of us. He is painstakingly concerned with, if you are serious about following Jesus, he is painstakingly concerned with conforming you into the image of his son, Jesus. And he will use, he will test you as by fire. How many of you still with me? You see, the hotter the furnace, the more quickly the impurities are about to surface and see you know what it does the fire sometimes let's be honest we could all be pretty clever we all. we could all be pretty slick we can hide some things oh I'm not talking about anybody here the other churches we could we could we can get away with some things we could play the church game we that's where you get they play church In other words, they know how to say the right thing, act a certain way. They know how to get buddy-buddy with certain people. They know how to, you know. You know what? But when the fire is put to your metal, things will start coming to the surface. So some of you might be saying, why is this coming up? And I didn't know this was in my heart. It was in your heart. You just didn't know it. And God will go after certain things and he will keep the fire. Oh, God, why am... Oh, Lord, don't preach this message back to me tomorrow. He'll put the fire... Because he's getting at something in your life. And and what am I trying to say? Some things will not come to the surface that quickly. Sometimes there's pride in our life. We don't even know it's there. Sometimes there's there's, there's jealousy there. We don't even know it's there. Sometimes there's bitterness. We don't even know it's there until the fire's there and it comes to the surface. So we should praise God and say, God, thank you for revealing that to me. I'm not going to worry about them. God, you deal with them. God, you show them. God, thank you for what you're showing me. God will go on with the process. And then he knows that the process of refining is been, has been successful when he sees his reflection and he takes us out of the furnace. Isaiah 48, verse 10. Behold, God says, listen to the word of God. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. How many of you are still in the word of God? What if we prayed, Lord, don't take me out of the refining process, but give me grace to endure it until you are pleased and satisfied with my life? Oh my God. That's what what the real test is. Come on. That's what it's really all about. Until you see your reflection in my life. You know, listen to me. People run from churches, they run from ministry positions. They run from jobs. They run from marriages because it gets hard and it's difficult to understand. Don't run. I don't think you're hearing me. I don't think you're hearing what the Spirit wants to say. Don't run, when it gets difficult, God is trying to reveal something. When it gets difficult, God is trying to show you something. When it gets difficult, don't worry about what other people are doing. Realize God is refining you. You see, we wanna get out of the fiery trial prematurely, but sometimes we gotta realize we just need grace to endure it. I remember talking to people in, from different churches, and they told me, Pastor, they were coming to me for counseling. They said, you know, it's difficult here. I don't agree with this. I don't like that. But God has not called me to leave. Oh, my God. I knew I won't get much of an amen. I, I knew you'd come up with a spiritual reason why you're going to leave. God spoke to you. Then I, I can't say anything to that. Adios, amigos. But I, was, I appreciated that person who said to me, you know what? God has not released me. Has God released you? No, maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's got you where he has you because that's the only thing that'll get at what's in you that he wants to get out of you. I don't know about you, but I think this is good preaching this morning, whether you like it or not. Remember, remember Paul? Do you remember Paul? Three times he sought the Lord. He says, God, Deliver me from this. God, get me out of this. God, I don't like this. God, please. God said three times Paul played, prayed. How many of you know Paul knew how to pray? If any of his, prayer, if, if his prayers, uh, if anybody's going to get their prayers answered, it would have been Paul. And you know what God said? Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. My grace is sufficient in your marriage. My grace is sufficient in your job situation. My grace is sufficient in your relationships. My grace is sufficient in your financial situation. My grace is sufficient. Not get me out of it, but God, what can I get out of it? Let me say that again for those of you that didn't have your coffee this morning. Not get me out of it, but God, what can I get out of it? In other words, what can I learn? And I, and I conclude with the last point, destiny. We talk about David's declaration, David's distress. Now look at David's destiny. Look what he says in verse, verse 20. I love this. I love this because what am I talking about? That you're, there is a purpose for your pain. There is a reason for your season. What am I trying to say this morning? Look what David said. You show me great and severe troubles, but you're going to revive me again. You're going to bring me up from the the very depths of the earth. You're going to increase my greatness. You're going to comfort me on every side. Your trial is not the end. Your pain is not the end. God is bigger than that. God is greater than that. God will bring you out to a place of greatness, a place of blessing. No man could hinder you. No man could stop you. No devil could hold you back. When the Lord lifts you up, There's no one that can put you down. What did he say? He said, you will increase my greatness. You will comfort me. You will comfort me on every side. God, in your pain and your suffering, God's gonna comfort you on every side. Your trial, your your testing, you're gonna come forth as something greater. Can someone say amen? amen? This shall be your portion. You brought me out to, Psalm 66, verse 12, you brought me out to rich fulfillment. That he's talking about what he'd been through. This trial is not the end. I love the song, fear is not my future. You are, you are. Sickness is not my story. You are, you are. Heartbreak's not my home. You are, you are. Death is not the end. You are. You are. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. It's a new day. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. The sun is coming out. Hallelujah. I'm coming out. You're coming out. Look at what Job says, and I bring this to a conclusion. Job chapter 23. Look what he says. Look, I go forward, but he's not there. Job is in the throes of pain and suffering like few of us have ever experienced or will ever experience. And he says, look, I go forward, he's not there. I go backward, but I can't perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I can't behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I can't see him. What is Job saying in my trial? I'm trying to perceive and see and experience God, but I can't. But look at verse 10. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Hallelujah. He says, I go to the right, I can't see him. I go to the left, I can't perceive him. But you know what he came to the realization? It doesn't matter if I can't see God, God can see me. It matters that, that he's testing me and he's trying me and I'm coming forth as gold. Would you say that today? I'm coming forth as gold. I'm coming forth in victory. I'm coming forth in breakthrough. I'm coming forth as gold. That shall be your portion. Job said, I'm coming out as gold. Silver or tin, it takes 500 degrees to purify tin. It takes about 1,400 degrees to purify silver, and it takes, for 10-karat gold, it takes 1700 degrees, but for 24-karat, the highest quality, it takes 2000 degrees. So my question to you, do you wanna be a tin soldier or a golden warrior? Amen. God's gonna bring you out of your furnace affliction with a testimony. Would you stand together with me? I'm gonna ask the singers, the musicians, to come back this morning we want to pray this morning the question why pray I've been through this for so long I'm tired of praying I'm tired of waiting on God why pray it will bring God into focus why pray it will anchor you until the waves, the waves subside. Why pray this morning? It will lift you up above your natural inclinations. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a trial, some stuff starts coming up, things come into my mind, things come into my heart. And I know God, you've got to purify that. But in my flesh, come on. when you're in your flesh, you say things and do things. But see, when we pray. We rise above our flesh. Come on, when we pray, we alleviate the panic and the fear. Come on, in your troubles, in your trials, in your affliction, the enemy will whisper, you will never get through this. Can anybody relate to that this morning? You'll never get through this. All of my study, all of my research of church history of men and women that God has used. Great testimonies have been people who have suffered. No pain, no gain. Let's not waste our pain this morning. Let's not waste our suffering. Let's bring it to Jesus. Let's process it in prayer this morning. As they begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to move out of your seat Find a place of prayer. Sometimes we pray for you. We pray in staff. We lay hands. We try to pray for you. And we we do that sincerely and faithfully. But you know what? Sometimes you just need to seek God for yourself this morning. You need to just come to the altar and just, or maybe at your seat, kneel. I think sometimes it's good that we find a posture of humility. We kneel or we humble ourselves before God and we say, God, give me grace. To withstand, give me grace, give me, give me the, the faith and the wisdom to walk in the truth and the light of the revelation you're giving me. Lord, oh, even though the fire is intense, I know that you're testing me, but I'm declaring I'm coming forth as gold. You're gonna take out of my heart bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, jealousy, backbiting, lust, covetousness. You're gonna take those things out of my heart. You're gonna skim it off the top and you're gonna see a reflection in me. If that's your desire, if that's your heart, I believe God is doing something in this church. I believe God's doing something in this region. But you know what? We've, it's, it's all, it's all birthed and sustained in the people who pray and say, God, have your way. As they begin to sing, would you find a place of prayer There's not going to be another official dismissal. I'm going to pray, but I I want to just encourage you to find a place where you can do business with God. Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth. God, touch our hearts, Lord. God, we don't want the enemy to gain a foothold in our lives. We don't want him to gain a foothold in this church. So, God, we pray for the grace to humble ourselves before you, to pray sincerely, Lord, purge me, cleanse me, change me. Lord, I pray over the body of Christ here at victory. God, let them know that with you nothing is wasted. Let them know that with you, you have a purpose for their pain and you have a reason for their season, of what they're going through, that you're in control. Pray for grace and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come Come to the altars as they begin to sing. Find a place of prayer. God bless you this morning.